Batman? Batman? Mr. Gordon? <laughs> I love your avatar, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I saw this as one of those uh, handsets that you plug into your iPhone. And oh, I, okay. I'm actually speaking on it now through the uh, uh, four-position <laughs> pin on the uh, my MacBook Pro. Oh, that's cool. But yes, as soon as I can get uh, some extra parts, I am going to trick this out to make it a true bat phone. Ooh, nice. Well, it'll go with the incredible stone that I have, too, so. Oh, I'm so jealous. All I have is a Telstra phone, and I never answer it. <laughs> it just sits on the wall because, you know, you have to have one to have internet. So I just put it on the wall. It rings occasionally. I just stare at it. It's <laughs> yeah, always I, life I, insurance. <laughs> I've got three phones I love. I've got my bat phone here. I've got my incredible phone. And then I've got this phone that's this little kitten-shaped statue. And instead of ringing, it goes meow, 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 meow. I saw that at garage sale, picked it up, and then I heard it meowing for the phone ringing. And uh, <laughs> my wife at the time said, you're not kidding, are you? <laughs> oh. Oh, that's cute. I always wanted one of those novelty phones when I was a kid. I would go to the store, drool over them, and then never buy them because the Internet – about the time I was a teenager, the internet came about, so, mm. yeah. Well, calling the time people I was a teenager, uh, Alexander Graham Bell invented the phone, so. Oh! <laughs> Almost as old as Jamie Heineman. Yeah. Oh. Yes, well, th- he was the first man, you know that, right? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, I invented fire. <laughs> well, when, when, back when I was a well, caveman scientist. Well, well remember, no, he, he, was, he, was just, he was just a young tot when Dionysus the Elder was around. <laughs> you got to remember, he didn't invent fire. Fire was a byproduct of his true invention, explosions. Yes. And which was the Big Bang. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a feeling that there are more Jamie Heinemann facts than Chuck Norris facts now. I, I, I'm pretty sure at this point. Well, because like every single show, it's like, oh, yeah, back when I used to. And it's like, I mean, I've known people like that, but it's still like. Oh, oh, you know what the most awesome story he told was? It was on Tested. Tested has mm-hmm. a YouTube channel. Yeah. And the, the two guys from Test, well, actually, Jamie's part of Tested, same with Adam, but uh, the two guys who run the podcast interviewed Jamie asking about his history as a, as a boat captain. Oh. An awesome story. Check it out on YouTube because it because you you think oh, okay he was like on the on the Great Lakes you know just just doing like cruise tours nothing no he he did some awesome shit he 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 actually bought a boat and was like off the coast of Japan somewhere when uh, what happened was the battery died he was he was on a shore so he was okay but uh, but you know they they only had limited amount of food and they had like they had like a rowboat and and. And the a hotel was nearby that was exactly one day's row away, and he left his yeah. crew there. He rode all the way there to try to get a battery filled up. They were going to charge a battery for him and bring it and tell him come back in a day. So he rode all the way back. <laughs> his hands were bleeding because he was rowing against the, the the tide on the way there. Oh God! And then when he got to the boat, he decided he he built he built a hand crank generator out of just boat parts. <laughs> I could see it. And by the way, don't diss the captains on the Great Lakes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, about that. I, I know, but yes. what I'm saying is, is you know, you know, sea captains versus lake captains. People are like, oh yeah, it's. But but it, like I said, that was I was like, holy shit! He like he like like rode 
against the wind and against the current on the Japanese sea to get to to get to a hotel and they told him to just come back the next day for his battery to be filled and then he decided fuck this got back to his boat built a generator out of like out of like just parts lying around the kitchen and like he, he in in seawater and pennies to make a battery don't forget the spit and bailing wire was, uh, no it's an awesome story <laughs> Yeah, I don't doubt it. I mean, uh, one thing that you learn doing that type of stuff is uh, self-survival and, uh, I mean, self-reliance. Hmm. I mean, I've got, I'll be honest, I love watching Adam because he is such a goofball. I mean, he knows his stuff, but he's a goofball. I have nothing but respect for Jamie Heineman. I mean, he's someone who knows his stuff, and it's evident he knows his stuff. I know, but it's just something so, like, wow, we have lost a lot because here's this guy who just knows the basic workings of how the generator in in batteries work and built a generator out of like parts yeah because he he didn't want to like row again in a throw boat <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's the most awesome story i've ever heard and and any it, it sounds like with a chuckle and it's like for anyone else in the world it'd be like this horrible ordeal that they would be on like i shouldn't be alive for jamie it's like yeah, that's just that's what. Well, that's, that, like. that's just because Je- Jamie has learned how to be a Jedi master. <laughs> I'm sure at the time he was doing, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. Because yeah. I've heard well, some tales of my dad, like even on a Navy ship, like the time they had an engine fire. He said, you know, when he tells it, he's like, oh yeah, it was so easy. But he's told me, no, 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 it was sort of like. Oh, God, it's on fire! Shit, <laughs> shit, 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 shit. You know? Well, well, Jamie yeah. did actually have a picture after he got his hand crank generator to, like, to like fill up the battery and kick the kick the boat's generators in, mo- in motion, and the boat started going again. He has a picture of himself. He still he, he was wearing a beret back then, too, <laughs> hanging off the back of the boat with a bottle of wine. Well, that's when you... That's the victory right there. That's the... Yeah. Fuck all you! <laughs> it's action. It's drama. It's comedy. It's Decian, the superhero webcomic. Decian has superhero antics and sexy girls. Catch updates weekly at Decian.com and NoSuperPants.com. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, tonight we're talking about Star Trek, the animated series. Uh, uh, this show is Ben, joined by my co-host, TV's Mr. Neal. Well, she know! And joining us is Tom Revore. Who still doesn't know and doesn't care to know the combination to James Kirk's safe. And also with us is our favorite guest, Kitty Hawk. Your cock captain? Fascinating. Okay. And like <laughs> There's a, I gotta talk uh, about that. That's pretty awesome. Okay, okay, okay. Kitty Hawk, go. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll, I'll, we'll get to it. Okay, and but... like I said, tonight we are talking about Star Trek, the kind of sort of animated loosely series. Uh, of course, um, Barely, that means that's filmation time. Yeah, barely yeah. animated by Lou Scheimer and and uh, Norm Prescott of Filmation. Yeah, boy, yeah. is it filmation! I mean, you, yeah. I, this is evidence that filmation never innovated because you can tell it's the same animation as He Man. <laughs> I mean, even Hanna Barbera evolved over well, time. Well, they had a library. They had a library, and at least they they. They had it, and like at least they didn't do the stupid thing they do in this show, which was the silhouette running or the silhouette swimming, you know, so that they could just have like, okay, there's like three figures, so we'll put three figures. There are four lights. No. Let, let's no. go back. 
uh, let the uh, old guy talk who actually remembers some of this stuff. I was around during the original broadcast of this. Whoa! Uh, back when they were... That was the 70s. <laughs> Hello? No. Batman? Hello? Hello? I think... I'm here. Batman? There he is. There he is. Am I here? Okay. As I was going to say, um, as talked... I mean, it's, it, this proof is out there, but uh, when Gene Roddenberry was shopping around to do Star Trek the Animated Series... Um, he had talked to several prominent uh, animation houses at the time, and a lot of them just didn't get Star Trek. One of them wanted to have an episode where the Enterprise lands on a planet. One, <laughs> of, them wanted, one of them wanted to have the ubiquitous fuzzy creature that was on the bridge. Filmation was actually the only one, according to the stories, that was willing to work with Roddenberry and work with his crew and make Star Trek. And the funny part of that is one of the early filmation proposals for this actually had every senior officer have a cadet assigned yeah, to I... them. And actually Paramount wheeled up a wheeled up a dump truck full of money to Gene Roddenberry say said, if you let us do the kitty Star Trek thing in this cartoon, we'll give you this we'll, the, this uh, this uh, dump truck full of money. And Gene said no. And then later did Will Wheaton. <laughs> but but yeah, mean, and didn't they turn that into its own show or something like that? Space like, Academy, 1977. Yeah, that, yeah that's right. Because I, I remember hearing about that. And like the show didn't even run for like but three months. Well, it ran <laughs> so. for one season and then it mutated in Jason of Star Command. Uh <laughs> Co-starring Jimmy Doohan, Scotty. Oh, okay. uh, well, of course, because, you know, yeah. voice acting. He was the Mark Hamill. No, no, no. Uh, the Space Academy was a live action program. Yes. It was one yeah. of both Star Command and uh, Jason Star Command and Space Academy were live action. In fact, um, oh, Lord, my mind fails me. Uh, yeah, Dr. Smith from Lost in Space was the oh, commandant yeah. on Space Academy. <laughs> and I can't think of his name. I, I Jonathan Harris. Wow. But uh, back on to Star Trek, I mean, a lot of the people that Roddenberry brought on with Star Trek, I mean, you had as the script editor and the person in charge of the storylines was DC Fontana, who was as much as anybody else responsible for Star Trek being what it was. That and is absolutely was that is absolutely focused. that is absolutely true. And uh, and they did get lots of really good science fiction writers, like they had Larry Niven write several episodes, mm -hmm. and uh, and. Uh, but DC Fontana was just awesome because she was like a woman writer back then. But yeah, she had I mean, to go under DC Fontana in order to get work. But she right. was actually working on it. And Dorothy awesome. Fontana, and she was she was not just she was working on Star Trek. She became one of the people on Star Trek writing some of the best episodes of the original mm -hmm. season. And yeah. like I said, she became the story editor and person pretty much in charge of Star Trek, the animated series. And, yeah. uh, and an interesting thing is also talking about writers. Alan Dean Foster also touched uh, at least, you know, the novelizations of these episodes. Right. So yeah. the early work that Foster did was the novelization, just like James Blish did. Uh, I mean, this, these are credited science fiction writers who did the novelizations of original series with Blish and the animated series. In fact, going off into his own storylines with some of them uh, with animated series with Foster. Uh, yeah, and the, the stories in the animated series are just, I have to say, like, okay, the animation aside, I actually was enjoying the stories a lot. Like, um, Some of them seem very Star Trek-y. I was watching the first episode yeah. today. Yeah, uh, well, Beyond uh, the Farthest Star. Yes, yeah, so and that, that episode is 
is classic Star Trek-y. You yeah. know, there's this entity that, that wants to escape, and the Enterprise has to find a way to trick it. And yeah, that, 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 that is classic. Beyond the farthest star yeah. was actually the giant space cloud. Oh. I mean, that's what it was. Basically, it was a rehash of a couple of episodes. Uh, it, you could see. Um, Day uh, of the Dove, one of those. Oh, no, 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 no. Think Doomsday Weapon. Actually, yes. Oh, okay. That yeah, because a lot, what a lot of things, was. A lot of things from the original series do show back up, like Mud shows back up, Tribbles show back up. Yep. Um, the Guardian but, of Forever. But well, Guardian the thing, Forever. You know, the Guardian of Forever. But the thing Which, I really enjoy is the aliens. Like, because it's animated, they could do a lot more with the aliens. So you could go crazier, and it was it felt like the world felt more fleshed out. Exactly. It, to, yeah. In fact. Two of the new bridge members, uh, one who interchanged with Lieutenant Uhura was Lieutenant Moress, a Cation, uh, yeah. a, a cat woman who didn't look like a Japanese cat girl. Yes, yeah, so it's like, actually it the, very the, the, uh, yeah, the proto-Kilrothi, yes. Yeah, and, and, then, and then, of course, Lieutenant Eric's, uh, voiced by the unbelievable Jimmy Doohan, uh, <laughs> who was, I mean, three-armed and three-legged, and not the usual third leg you talk about. <laughs> yeah. but I mean, and then who, there was kitty cat legs, too. Yeah. yeah. And, and one thing one thing I got to say that uh, that really, that re- I have to really give kudos to uh, uh, Nimoy for is originally they were not going to bring back uh, 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 Nichols or or uh, Takei, and, and Nimoy said, well, if they're not coming back, I'm not coming back. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, Roddenberry did too because I mean they were saying, well, we don't have the budget for it, and you know, Roddenberry and Nimoy basically said, you know, this is Star Trek. They are Star Trek, and the only one who really got cut out was Walter Koenig, and uh, who, who did who, tribute a script. Well, we'll talk about that one later. <laughs> okay, but like, yeah, so they said that they didn't have a budget. What they didn't have a budget for brown and um, maybe not peachy skin tone. Like I'm just. That's just a really shitty excuse, except that maybe they're saying the voice actors. But didn't, like, James Doohan, like, do other people, like, sometimes? Almost every everybody. Other, right. Yeah. Everybody who wasn't a major character, any male yeah. was James Doohan. Any and then female was either Majel or Nichelle. Yeah, like, I could, it was always fun to just be, ah, oh, there's Nichelle, ah, oh, there's Majel, there's, there's Doohan. It's, it is fun to point them out, but they are really, I have to say they're actually pretty talented. Doing like especially. Yeah, yeah, doing especially. Well, Major... let me go back to, uh, I mean, because the reason that Jimmy was hired was originally, the, in the original series, the engineer of the um, uh, Enterprise was going to be a different dialect. Yeah. And Jimmy came in and he just started, Jimmy had a long history of not just an actor, but a radio actor. So he started doing all of his different dialects. And they finally said, you know, that's it. Scottish is it. Scots have a long history of engineering. You've got it. And you're Scottish. And he's Montgomery Scott. That's it. Yep. That was awesome. I know. I've heard that story. But I'd say, okay, so I watched through the series. I got actually through most of it. And I have to say, like, my favorite episode was The Slaver Weapon. Like, it was really an awesome episode because you're learning about, like, there's this prehistory from one billion years ago. The uh, the cat people were very – it was a very uh, – Kizinti. Yeah. yeah, that was Kizinti, actually yeah. a, a variation of, taken off from Larry Niven's known space series. Yeah. Yeah, Larry, uh, yeah the, the Kizinti are actually from his his books. Right. Yeah. Which and, became, was most known for the Ringworld series as well as known space. Yeah, and so that I really enjoyed that episode because you could tell that there was a lot of – 
thought put into this. Like, I know it was a novel, but it was just like, you know, this is a kid's show and this is like really well. And it talked about like almost like women's rights when they were talking about the consenti females. And yep. then like when Spock says, I value your intelligence, but, you know, and then explaining like we have to be ready. But I just enjoyed that episode in general just because like also the way that the weapon tricks the consenti into, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Take me outside. Here's the setting. Yep. Yeah, sure. That'll work. <laughs> When it comes to favorite episodes, I actually have two, and for totally different reasons. Yeah. I mean, I'm the first one to say Yesteryear, which is the one where Spock goes back in time. Oh, I, that's my, that, is my, that is my other favorite. And that that's, is, I mean, that's DC Fontana's handiwork. I mean, if it's yeah. Vulcan, it's probably DC. Yeah. And it's, it's probably the best written episode of the series, in my opinion. It actually yeah, is. I, it I actually say, is, in my say, opinion, yeah. too. Because, because other times, you know, it's... There's some uneven footing here. I think partially because you have a lot of the same teams, a lot of the same writing guides as the as the hour long show being done in a half hour slot. So it feels like they're trying to write something a little bit more grandiose. And yeah. then, whoops, we only we 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 paint ourselves in the corner. We have five minutes left. Let's start trimming some stuff. I didn't really get that sense. I, 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 got, that, were... I got a little bit of that sense. I didn't mm -hmm. on yesteryear. I mean, everything was not, not very well not, paced. Not yesteryear, but in other episodes, I definitely got that sense. Uh, oh, yeah. What, yeah. What well, I, what, name, name an episode, because like, then I could, maybe I can see. Well, like... let, before we name that, let me go to, on to my second one. And that is actually the last episode of the animated series, which is called The Counterclock Incident. Oh, that one, yeah. Where the Enterprise goes through a wormhole into an antimatter universe where everything runs backwards and they start getting younger. And the reason why I love it is because the Enterprise is saved because they happen to be escorting two dignitaries to a, a, a peace conference. Commodore Robert April, the first captain, captain of, the of the Enterprise. Enterprise. Yeah. And his wife, who was the first medical officer of the Enterprise. Yeah. And I'm just having the validation of Robert April there. Yeah. Was, I mean, it, for... Us Star Trek geeks, and yes, I don't know his combination still. Uh, I mean, that was a big thing. Robert April had this whole mythos around him, and in fact, ended up having, uh, thanks to Diane Carey, in my opinion, two of the best Star Trek books ever written, which was uh, Best Destiny and uh, The Final Frontier, which dealt with Robert April and his first officer, George Samuel Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we can go on. When you talk about feeling um, that they were chopped down, um, there were a lot of them that kind of felt wrapped up very easily. I mean, uh, the ambergris element is one of them. Yeah, it was just kind of oh, came out yeah. of the field. Or, oh, Lord, uh, the magics of Megas 2, which seemed a lot like um, Plato's stepchildren from the yeah. original series. That was that one was that one was pretty. It wasn't. I would say probably not as weak as the the episode the Amargus element. The Amargus element was. I kind of thought this was interesting, but at the same time, I was like the entire time, I'm like this is not really cohesive. And, and also, I don't understand the message. <laughs> and, and, and also, one thing I have to add is, yeah, they they had to get around because the writers the writers obviously knew of filmation's budgets and work because mm. they they knew they couldn't. They couldn't ask the animators to to put everyone in spacesuits, so they came up with the life support belts. Actually, I actually had no, no problem that, with that it. That was actually going to be on the original show, but they thought it would be too stupid. 
and they didn't have the budget for it on the original show because you would have had yeah. to hand draw around the people, and that's animation they couldn't afford. I actually, yeah, exactly. I actually, I actually prefer the EVA suits personally. I like the, the EVA suits more. The EVA suits are cool, but I kind of it's it feels more futuristic when they're wearing the belts. Because like the thing is, is that I often had to put myself into a 1970s brain when I was watching it because I understood that the technology wasn't as great when he, you know a reasoning computer that small, you know, like they're not that's like a, an AI machine can actually be very small now. So it just sort of was, I, I was like, okay, 1970s brain. <laughs> so uh, that would, I actually like the, uh, the belts because it sort of felt more futuristic, you know, than a suit, which right. would have been, yeah. They still had some of the limitations. I mean, it was, it was basically a, a very light force field that a lot of things could have taken down. It was not for, the heavy duty yeah. missions or working out in space. It was for light atmosphere. It was for emergency situations. So, I mean, I had no problem with the life support belt. I thought they were a great addition and wish they would have used something like that later on. Oh yeah. If they, I wish they had used it later on, but I think maybe they thought it was too hokey later on. Like, cause I, I have this feeling like with the animated series, I think they were able to get away with a lot more because it was animated. So they were able to play around with yeah. ideas. Like and the rec room, for instance, you know, like. The, and they also yeah. had, uh, they also had an early holodeck in one episode. That's the right, yeah, the rec yep. room, yeah, which and, uh, uh, which they can uh, play Neil's around. been a little Neil's been a little quiet. Neil. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just listening. <laughs> I know, I know, but Neil, participate, damn it! Come on, you know well, the show. I've only watched a handful of episodes, and I think you named all them already oh. <laughs> well then let's go to the other end of the spectrum because it will say e even the miserable failures of episodes had glimmers of could have really been something and yeah. of course the first one that springs to anybody who's seen the entire animated series oh God, no, not this one yes is one called the infinite vulcan where a uh <laughs> escapee yeah. from the eugenics wars first heard of back with <laughs> Back with Spacey in the original series and, of course, The Great Wrath of Khan, um, and continued to survive by cloning himself. And he discovered the perfect specimen in the universe being Mr. Spock. Now, like I said, that's a great concept. Okay, continuing on your work by cloning yourself, transferring your memories, terrific idea. The problem was that they had the clones being 50 feet tall. Because it was like something about like that was how they had to be big in order to store all the information, which that's a very 70, another very 70s idea. Because Tezuka around the same time wrote a story about a guy who had his mind put into a robot and the robot had to be very large in order to compensate for the amount of information. So it's a right. very 70s concept. And but it's but nowadays, and even then, well, so, I think it so would have been hilarious. The guy was basically a Nephilim. Okay, flew over one's head. Okay, that's fine. I got it. Well, and, and I think the thing that makes it even worse is because of who the writer of this episode is. We've danced around it, Walter. but uh, yeah. this was the contribution that Walter Koenig, uh, Koenig had to the animated series. See, we couldn't get Chekhov, but by God, we got a giant Spock in his place. I I am okay with this. I actually, okay, this episode go goes around the circle of, you know, awesome and stupid from stupid. And it just goes beyond and goes back to awesome because it's just, you're <laughs> laughing the whole time because it's just ridiculous that I actually say, well, this is probably the worst written 
it's brilliant in its own fashion because giant Spock. <laughs> it's like when my brother said, giant army men in the jar. And it's like, okay, then let's do this. <laughs> All they needed was Johnny Sacco and it would have been complete. One uh, thing I, one thing I do have to give him, one thing I do have to say, I noticed with the voice work is you could definitely tell that, uh, that Bill Shatner was recording everything in a ho- hotel room. Literally phoning it in. Yes. Uh, yeah. This episode ha- has least amount of love, but uh, it like was I one said, of those that balanced on the precipice of genius and insanity and toppled over to yes. the insanity. It, no, it, no. Then, then, then the insanity it went into genius, kind of like uh, you know, versus that movie goes from awesome to stupid to awesome to stupid to what awesome. What movie? Versus. Uh, it's directed by Kitamura. It's his uh, version of Evil Dead. It's awesome. Look it up. Versus. But yeah, yeah, versus. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty excellent. Um, everything he's done is awesome. But yeah, getting back to Star Trek, yeah, that I like that episode because it's just fun. But, there was uh, another episode that I mean, if you look on it as a whole, it was absolutely stupid, but it had hmm. one of the greatest moments around, and that was one called the Lorelei Signal, where it's yeah, you know, all the men get enraptured by space sirens, basically. And it's up mm, to yeah. the women of the Enterprise, with Lieutenant Hura taking charge, to save them. Yes. I, ac- I actually like this episode, because if you think about the time, like, that it was being, like, aired, because it was during the feminist, the, the height of the feminist movement. So it's sort of a nice episode in that um, it was showing the women actually being like, oh, no, the men are all uh, compromised. All right, let's just do our jobs. Yeah, and I mean, I mean that's, I, I, why, that's the only part I liked about it was the whole let's just do our jobs. Exactly, and yeah. to me it was. I, I thought the instigation of the problem was hokey. Yeah, I, like I said, the space sirens just kind of went uh, brain and brain. What is brain? Well, yeah. apparently it wasn't with the writer of this episode, <laughs> but it did give a chance for. Nichelle and Majel as Lieutenant Uhura and Nurse Chapel to really strut the character's stuff. Yeah. Like, I would say that establishes that Uhura is like this, she's actually very, there's a reason she's risen up on the ranks. And that Nurse Chapel, she deals with shit every day. She's, she has to work with bones. I mean, remember what happened? I mean, in Star Trek The Motion Picture, which came out about three or four years after the animated series, Mm. Nurse Chapel became Dr. Chapel. And yeah, Lieutenant Uhura was, I mean, she was an instructor over at Starfleet Academy, according to the novelization. And, so, I mean, but, but the thing you have to remember is Bones was not happy about having Chapel as, as a, as, as a oh, fellow MD. He actually no, said he wanted no. a real head nurse. Right. And I mean, I, this goes into behind the scenes. I mean, McCoy had a great working relationship. He didn't want, he didn't care that uh, Chapel was an MD. He cared that he lost a head nurse that he had a great rapport with. Of course, he didn't want to be in there in the first place. But that's Star Trek motion picture, which is a completely different story. <laughs> I don't um, think yeah. anyone wanted to be in the first place. <laughs> uh, but, uh, oh, man, the ra- the amount of racism, speaking of Bones, like constant racism towards Spock was just fun. <laughs> you know, like, ah, oh, damn your Vulcan blood. Why can't you have normal human blood? It's like, wait, what? Yeah, I, I love I love love how Kirk said. Well, well, well. Shat, Shatner was giving a very deadpan delivery. He should have had a little bit more boyish charm in it when yeah. he, said, he says he says compared to com, you know he said like uh, you know you know some species are so advanced that that makes makes us look child looks like children 
even your species, Spock. He basically saying, basically saying, yeah, you aren't that superior to humans, Spock. Settle down. Well, it's it, it, the the fighting back and forth, but like the racism was always like just hilarious because I just was like, ah, oh, this is funny, but uh, yeah, Chandler's Chandler's delivery in this is kind. It, it's a more sub, well, it's flat, and so it kind of gives this like more calm Kirk, like it's the. It's the more. It's like it's like they put Kirk on some Prozac. Well, it's, it's, I, I don't think, have to rip my shirt to show my bare chest every five minutes, Kirk. Yeah, this it's is the of, more. So, yeah, let's go, let's go ahead, Neil. Let's go ahead, Neil. I was going to oh, say yeah. it's kind of like how C three PO sounded in the uh, holiday special cartoon. Oh, <laughs> oh God, that's true. But yeah, I mean, oh, God. They, it, this was. Except that's actually better animated. Yeah, that's that's ex- yeah. very very true. It, it actually, I mean, the difference between the original series and the animated episode was not just you know, live action versus animated, half hour versus hour, but it was the late sixties versus mid seventies. Yes, and there was a lot of changes that went on during that time. Um, the, one of the last episodes, the second to last actually, was one called "How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth," and one of the characters on there was Ensign Walking Bear. I mean, he was a Native American. Mm-hmm. And it dealt with, you know, the Aztec god Kukulkan being a space alien rather than a god. Uh, shades of uh, Who Mourns for Adonis from the original series. But it got a lot uh, some more diversity in there. It wasn't just bing, bang, boom. Now you had even more of the diversity, which Star Trek has always supposed to have had. Yeah, I, I, I th- this series actually, like I said, with not just that, the aliens, but different races. Like, they're... Black, more black crew members, for instance, and I think it's it's it is part of the '70s that whole progress. I mean, I didn't live through it, but I the way I've read it is is that it seemed like it was a more progressive time as far as like people were being more open to new ideas, and that the fact that this is a kids show, like my friends and I were watching it, and we just looked at each other and said, "This is a kids show? Like this is like." nothing like anything we had ever seen but and like i don't think this really was a kid's show i think this but it was it, like it, it is a kid's show yeah right. i mean at the 70s in america animation was hanna-barbera animation was ruby spears it was mm. uh the croft brothers it was let's have a band oh god and star trek the animated series it was a saturday morning show yeah. Now, like the original Star Trek, which was originally too cerebral, they got the message out and they made a good show in mm. spite of a lot of the things they had to deal with, in spite of the bad an- filmation animation, in spite of uh, certain actors phoning in their, uh, yeah, literally and figuratively, their performances. It had a lot of what Star Trek was known for, and that was getting around and being too smart for yeah. what it was supposed to be. And, well, the thing is, I, I definitely do agree, and I do have lots of love for what this has done, because this did continue the torch long enough for for the uh, for for you know the movies to take hold, and for that, I'm forever grateful that this exists. Well, but, Star Trek, I mean, also remember one big thing. Star Trek the Animated Series was 22 episodes, starting off in 1975. 1976 was the debut of no, a No, it started in 70 it started in 73. Didn't it the animation? No, I think it was uh, no, no, yeah, no, it was it's 73. Okay. My apologies. Yeah. It was 73. No, it's okay. So I mean, 73 and 74. But in 1976, 
So it it carried the torch long enough for George Lucas' Star Wars to come out. Yes. Which was inspired. Yeah, Lucas himself said there would be no Star Wars if not for Star Trek. Yeah. Which came it back around because Star Trek the motion picture was given the green light because of the success of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And this, this is this is all true, but uh, let's talk and about also, some. Hey, hey, and also in, in Japan, if it weren't for Star Trek and and eventually Star Wars, a lot of the space animation that we see coming out of Japan probably wouldn't have happened. That either. is absolutely true because because yeah. oh, actually, Neil, I was watching yes. the first episode of Dirty Pair again, yes. and guess what names were on the screen at the beginning of the episode? <laughs> what? You didn't see the names on the screen on Yuri's computer screen when she woke up in in, in the first it's, episode. It's been a while since I've seen it. W coining, J Duhan. See, I'm gonna drop something into the chat here, Ben. Okay. Okay. Whatever. You're absolutely. He's absolutely right. I forget myself at times, but, but yeah. yeah, it had the K's name on there too. It had all the original cast names just it, on the screen in the background. I was like, "Did they really?" Yeah, they did. Wow, that's awesome. Until Star Trek, I mean, all space, all science fiction in TV and movies was Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, rocket ship uh, shaped rocket ships. Yeah, you know I mean, there was no science fiction in it. Star Trek changed everything i mean original series and animated series as well yeah i mean like and uh, the other thing is is that as much as people call star trek cerebral you really have to go watch the pilot and then wow that's even like they turned it down a bit from even the pilot the pilot is just like like i would say it is deep science fiction I mean i enjoyed it thoroughly but i understood that that was not going to go over very well with like mainstream audiences they right. definitely you know and, and it was, I, i'm actually glad they did i mean for uh, people who don't know if they've seen the pilot or not if you've seen the two parts original star trek episode the menagerie everything mm-hmm. dealing with captain pike and the original crew of the enterprise that was the original star trek pilot yes it was right. but i mean yeah it, it you had to have a certain thing again knowing the time i mean you had to have the miniskirts and that's why they changed from the pants that uh, number one was wearing to the miniskirts that lieutenant or her was wearing you had yep. to have no a captain me. of action which is why you went from uh jeffrey hunter as captain pike to uh william shatner as james kirk he was good enough to play Jesus, but not enough, good enough to play the captain of the Enterprise. Well, you have to remember that when they brought in Shatner, he was playing James R. Kirk. Yes. Well, I'll talk about that after that. Some yes. of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I want to uh, no. this real quick about the animation because I wanted to get this in before I forget about it. Shifty eyes. Yes. 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 The filmation eyes that never look it looks at oh, people. Oh, and the weird the weird blocking shots, like they'll have a face in the front and then they'll have someone else in the background. Like yeah. filmation was trying really hard to create like this illusion of space or something going on, and also hiding people's lips. Because like I'm thinking of, let's see, which ep- it was the jihad. Um, one of the aliens is like talking. I think Spock or Kirk is in the background. It's Kirk, yes. Kirk's in the background, and the alien is talking. Kirk's just standing there, but of course, the way they've got it is so that you can't see the lips on the alien. Exactly. So, and that's old filmation tricks. I mean, uh, yeah. you don't show someone talking, or they're talking off screen. Uh, you have a reaction shot, which is limited, uh, and that cuts the down. Lip you, you shifty eyes. Out. 
Yeah. Oh, actually, actually, I sent I sent you all earlier during this podcast an image I, I grabbed while I was watching an episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Where you see James Kirk has three arms. Uh. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a, that was a cell mis- There's a lot of cell mistakes. In, <laughs> yeah. Filmation uh, was very sloppy. I mean, whether it, yeah. you talk about that or you talk about Fat um, Albert or you talk about uh, He Man, Filmation was. Even more than Hanna Barbera, even more than Ruby Spears, even more than anybody else, it was the cheap animation studio. Yes, it was, and actually, yeah. very funny you mentioned the cheap because you know lots of these drawings, lots of these background drawings, and and uh, and paintings that were done to show these really awesome alien landscapes that that Star Trek was able to do for the first time, because mm, yeah. animation didn't limit them like live sets did. Yeah, you know what? Lots of people, lots of people in our generation, Neil, saw these growing up because they were reused in in He Man. Oh, yep. really? Yes. Yep. yep. Oh my god. Because uh, I recognized a few of them while I was watching. I was like, I know that from somewhere. <laughs> and then, and then it hit me. And then I was like, Oh, that explains why the why everything's so weird in He Man. <laughs> I got to say, the background oh. paintings. Uh, at least when they're down on the planet, the background paintings are pretty good. Oh man, the background paintings are top notch. I, I, mean, I, I just love it because because it feels almost like you know some. It's almost like a, an animated version of someone digging through some sets and going like, "Hey, we have all these old sets. Let's like try to make a new show out of them." And, but it's like all these old matte paintings and drawings are like, "Hey, we have all these old matte paintings and we have these action figures. Let's let's make Masters of the Universe and no one will know." Yeah. But yeah, it, it. I mean, we can sit there and rag on the cheesy and cheap filmation animation on this, but I think, and I know that there are a lot of Star Trek fans out there who want to discount the animated series, including oh. the late Gene Roddenberry. He, he he actually used his very rarely rarely used uncanonization power on this. Yeah, which. Yeah. Is funny because he had a major hand on it, and every one of them ha- it doesn't ha- say Paramount in the beginning. It says the Norway production, which is Roddenberry's production studio. Okay, so why did he hate this series? Because like, I mean, I see, I know that he soon after this started working on like um, the the one that was supposed to become a TV series. Quester tapes. Up, excuse me. The Quester tapes. Uh, the Quester tapes. Yeah, uh, starring. Uh, Start um, uh, Robert. No, 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 no. I'm ta- I'm talking about the star. I'm talking about the Star Trek oh. series that he was developing. Phase um, two. Phase two. Yeah. And could it have been because of that? Like maybe because he wanted to refix the canon. No, 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 no. The uncanonization happened around next gen. Right. Because okay, that, was, that makes sense. Yeah. By that time, I mean there were. It's the same thing. I mean people were talking not about the storylines except for the, some of the bad ones, but about the animation, about the cheesiness of it, and uh, he didn't want this to stain the reputation it. of Star Trek. It's, okay. it's, sort of, it's sort of like someone else, a uh, certain someone else, uh, hiding a certain Boba Fett cartoon from uh, the public yeah. because it was because Carrie Fisher would happen to be hopped up on cocaine when they yeah. were filming their live-action bits. But yeah, on the, the flips, let me also say that even though he decanonized, he sees that this does not count, he excluded the episode yesteryear. Yeah. Because it was a brilliant piece of writing, uh, thanks to Dorothy Fontana again. And as a fan, as a long, long time fan, I think that some of the episodes, I mean, some of the episodes are no worse than some of the original series episodes or some of the next gen episodes. I mean, uh, Spock's brain comes to mind immediately. 
but um, some of the third season episodes of the original season and the first two seasons of Next Gen were just as bad as some of the stuff they had on anime, the animated series. Oh, oh, yeah. actually, oh, yeah. actually, the first two seasons of Next Gen are worse. I mean, I mean, oh, there's an episode no, in the beginning the of season two. There's an episode yeah. in the beginning of season two of Next Gen, which is a clip episode. A clip yep. episode at the beginning of the season. <laughs> what kind of show does this? Clerks. Because they were trying to basically like say, okay, we're just going to forget. In the clip, it, it, it's because Riker gets a thorn stabbed into his thigh that makes him remember, like, not even events of whole episodes, just like clips of episodes. Okay, keep in mind that this was the 80s and clip shows were very popular. No, that one was, was it? Was it? Uh, season it was two. in the 80s. Season yeah, two. Season it was two in the 80s. Enough. Seven, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, it, but um, I, actually, like, my thing is is that I'm watching the animated series, and I see the bad animation, but the story just, the story's just so shine through that I'm just like, I don't really care about the animation. It's like, it's like Attack on Titan, the, the manga. Um, the manga's uh, drawing, you know, the, the, the drawing is not very good. Like, his, he's not as good as the people who are doing the animation, though they're, they're also doing some tricks where they're not animating sometimes. Um, but the story is so good that you just sort of forgive it. And it's like one, also like one punch man, the story is so good. You say, ah, this heart's shitty, whatever. So <laughs> I guess I'm just like, I understand what he was doing. He understood that there was a stigma, but at the same time, I, I feel so bad because there's like, uh, yesteryear is so good and i really like the slaver war because i love all that back history i like this idea that there was this like other race a billion years before because you know we get we get the cedars in the um in next gen yes. which were yeah which uh, although and, i hated that episode too i mean they had uh, the whole the, one where it's the every race is connected i actually i actually kind of like that episode just because it's like it's almost like a it's actually trying to bring a parallel to humans, like in that the old traditional way that Star Trek tries to tell a parable in this like future universe. But it's really about modern day. And yeah. it's sort of talking about like we're all human. We need to, you know, like seriously, these people were alone and they wanted to just be like a happy family. I know that sounds like, you know, hippie flowery bullshit, but. That's what Star Trek is really about. Star Trek is really about like understanding, coming together, exploration, and I and that's why I like that episode. Right. Well, see, to me, I mean, it's infinite diversity, infinite combination. I mean, mm. accept accept the differences and rejoice in the differences. You don't mm. have to force similarities. You don't. I have think to it. Force I think it was okay for those for those races since they seem to have a lot of tension. Because the idea was is that it's Romulans, Klingons, humans. You know, it's the the typical we hate each other crew that, you know, we're not so different. And in, in, honest, in all honesty, they aren't all that different. They're they kind of and I think I like that episode because of that. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to M-Wire only on geekcastradio.com. Are you looking for a weekly dose of gaming news and retro? Then check out Off the Cuff, available Fridays on Geekcast Radio Network from the producers of XRG. New name, same 
Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. And now, back to the show. Now, at the same time, I do like that, like, in the animated series, we had a lot more different species, which is more in line with how I would think aliens would be. Right. It wasn't so many bumpy yeah. heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I understand that, like, when you're doing a TV show, you have a limited budget, and there wasn't any CG, and thank God there was no CG, because, oh boy, you'd get, like, that, that stupid dinosaur show that was on... I think it was on Fox a couple of years ago. The one where people travel back in time because Earth is dying. Yeah! You live again on a prehistoric yeah! Earth. You know, uh, you know they, they were driving they were driving an SUV and there was a there's a jungle. Oh, I'm thinking of something else. No, no, there's a dinosaur. There's actually a dinosaur uh, in this episode in the in the episodes. They're really shitty, but they don't ever show them because they're just like too expensive. But then they show up and it's like, hi, 1991. <laughs> and speaking I, and I speaking, speaking of, uh, of uh, you know, like I said, I don't like, I don't want to shit on this show because I don't think that's fair because it because it, because it's already handicapped. We already know Filmation did it. We already know that Shatner literally phoned his lines in. We 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 know that some we know that we know these things. It, it suffers from Filmation. It suffers from the time period it was, the mid seventies or early seventies. Suffers from Shatner. It suffers from William Shatner in any carnation. But but uh, but one thing I do have to like give it a ding for, and I think you're going to agree with me on this, Tom, is the music design didn't really wow me. Like you know, TOS had music that wowed oh, me sometimes. Well, the music was really. T- TNG had music that wowed me at times. Because, but but the music was very was I'm not going to say Doc bad. Filmation. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, Except I mean. That it, I, I, kind of like the opening theme to this one it's it, it's okay it's okay it, it it's was not like it was okay i mean original season i mean you play the original star trek fanfare okay stop and, for a minute and let me say one thing it's been a long time getting from here to there <laughs> uh, Berman and brandon braga who uh, damn near killed the franchise yeah, that's why I'm saying, you know, you know, yeah. I like this compared to that. Yeah. And, yeah. And even then, I mean, I, I I look at it this way. Star Trek, the original series, was the inspiration. Star Trek, the next generation, was the recycling until the it found its footing. Yeah, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, my God. Other than original series, to me, Deep Space Nine was probably the best series. But also because it was written as a serial as well as episodic. Yeah, uh, and, and that, we have to thank Ronald Moore the most for that. Yes, and he, yeah, uh, and Brog, B- Berman, and Braga went round and round and round. Yeah, uh, Voyager, Voyager started off with a lot of promise, but then they went to the uh, let's have no conflict amongst the people. Berman and Braga again. Yeah, and, and then they went to um, uh, well, of course, to me, which was the downfall of Star Trek, and that's. Seven of nine. It's a good thing that now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. The reason no, I say that is because Seven of Nine was brought in for two things primarily: TNA, the, 
Oh, and we have her. Uh, I thought you were going to say two things primarily, and they were both on her chest. (laughs) I want to say one thing about 709 as well. Also, that she ruined the Star Trek franchise. It's because of her we have President Obama. Because if it weren't for her complaining about her husband wanting him to go to a swingers club and divorcing him and him having to resign in disgrace, Obama would not have become senator and then become president. Well, and uh, let me interject uh, on that because it was also, they did have the court record sealed. It was the Chicago Tribune uh, yep. <laughs> who had no reason to want the records unsealed except to get Obama in there. Exactly. Um, right. However, um, I, I will say that at least Seven of Nine had some very good episodes written around her. Okay. She was TNA, but she had episodes. Uh, she and Jerry, Jerry Ryan, Jerry is, a Ryan good is, an, is, is an actress. And, and the thing I have to say is to defend the Seven of Nine character some is Scorpion actually was the strongest two-parter that Voyager ever had. Scorpion absolutely was was like the fulfillment of the promise of what Voyager was supposed to be, of conflict between between the mock the, the more seasoned, experienced Maki crew member with the slightly less experienced Starfleet captain, and they both want the same thing, but they they want two different ways. She doesn't she she. she she doesn't want trust as much as she wants compliance. He want, he he has trust, but he he uh, he wants to he he doesn't he he has trust in her, but he doesn't have trust in the situation, and it builds up perfectly to where everything works. And and like I said, I have to give props to every actor, every writer that worked on the Scorpion two-parter because that was, like I said, the fulfillment of Voyager's promise, and then they shat it all away. Well, but Voyager- to round it off. To round it off, we've got then we go to Enterprise, which to me, I love the entire concept. And when I saw the magnetic grapple shooting off from Enterprise instead oh, of a tractor yeah. beam, I loved it. But then we hit what I call the shower scene, and that set the entire tone. It wasn't about Star Trek. It wasn't about exploration. It was about lazy writing and uh, it was what DNA. happened to it was at what happened with DS Nine, which became like the soap opera show where I was like, yeah. But the, th- the, the thing is, the thing is, uh, the directors made sure that they didn't get sens- sensationalism out of things. There were scenes where where actresses kissed, and and Avery Brooks actually directed that episode, and he refused to have stills of that scene shot because he didn't want the press to sensationalize on that. He wanted, even though like that yeah. was that's Enterprise what Star was Trek sensationalism. Is it wasn't about good writing. I mean, my God, they made a whole couple of seasons around the whole time travel war. Time travel, time travel has old war, Tom. Yeah. But, but the, but the one yeah. thing though I have to say is is this is how Enterprise fanboys talk to me. They they say Ben Ben Ben. The fourth season's great. The fourth season is is the best thing ever. And I do have to skip Manny Koto props because Manny Koto did do his damnedest to try to write a sinking ship. Yeah. But but I mean, but, but the thing is. One good season doesn't justify three seasons of suck. When, when you tell me, don't worry, it gets good after episode 27, I say, no you. thank you. Yeah, I'm not going to sit through crap just to get to, oh, well, then there's like these two good episodes. And and I tried, I honestly have to say, I watched all of Voyager and I've forgotten a good bit of it just because it was just dreck. It was forgettable. And I, yeah, well, and then I tried, to, I tried to watch Enterprise. I tried to watch Enterprise. And I really liked the like I like Tom said I really like the original concept like, like these are the early explorers this is going to be awesome oh my god we got we got quantum leap as um 
Yeah, Scott Bakula as the captain. Yeah, Scott Bakula. Yeah, we've got Scott Bakula as the captain. Underused acting chops and and. I know, and it just it could have been awesome, and then it just like, oh my god! The only thing I actually like out of Enterprise is the explanation is just because I like no prize answers. Uh, is the explanation the for why Klingons? Yeah, but oh, that, was the, that was that was that was that that was that was season four. That was Manny Koto. And then, yeah. don't like, talk about it. And like I said, like I said, that's the problem I have with it. Yes, the fourth season is excellent compared to the other three. Hmm. But but uh, to bring it back to our original topic, I mean, we can all the all the variations of Star Trek have something wrong with them. I mean, oh, my yeah. God, we've got the J.J. Abrams' movies, which. But Star Trek, the animated series, did it have its problems? Yes. But I think that it actually, it was as much and more Star Trek than some of the subsequent things that came after it. It had things that we so. haven't seen since and probably yeah. won't ever see because of the freedom that they had with animation, but also because they were able to get away with some of the stuff because of the writing as well. And the writing for Star Trek is as important as any of the characters and any of the actors. I would actually put up some of the episodes in the animated series up against some of the episodes of, of next gen. It's just, these are, yeah. So, I mean, and that's why I think it's a crime that people just make fun of it for the animation, because I'm like, I know the animation is shit, but seriously, uh, I bet, I bet the way, only way you could really do it is just do it like a radio play. Like we, I think. Or you know, get better animators to redo them. Yeah. For all of you people out there who listen, who are amateur animators, we've got people who are going through and doing live action new episodes of Star Trek, including some very talented professionals. If you yes. want to do something, try redrawing or do an animated episode. That would be yeah, so sweet. Lots of, lots of very talented live action people, including Grant Mahara and Duhan's own son. Yeah. I mean, oh. Star Trek continues. Uh, I, 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 I love Star Trek Phase 2. Star Trek continues with, um, oh, who is the voice? Vince Mignola? It's, it's Vic Mignogna. Vic Mignogna. Yeah. As James T. Kirk, I mean, as uh, Granite Mahara, as Sulu, even though he does he does George Takei doing Sulu. Yeah, I love him going full Takei, though. I just love yeah. him going full Takei. Come on. I, love, I, I, feel mean, I love Vic Mignano because he he just walks into the room. He doesn't even say anything, and he's he has Kirk. the Kirk swagger. Yeah, right. And then it, his voice is a little higher pitched, but I love. He's got James Kirk's voice down. He's got. And then of course Chris Doohan. I mean, my God, you could tell there's a little bit of a difference between him and his father in looks, but he's got Jimmy's voice. I mean, God bless him. He's doing his father proud with the way that he's doing Scotty. He is Scotty, two Yes, I mean it's. I, I, if they're in the reboots, if I say Kurt, I, I, I've said it before, um, Keith, not Keith, um, Carl Urban was channeling D. Kelly when he did McCoy in the Star Trek reboot. Jimmy Dewan's son, Chris, he's just as good doing Scotty as his father was. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I am. I mean, I'm I am so pleased as a Star Trek fan and as a writer and actor myself to see him doing that because it shows the love for the character and I may be out of line here folks but I think it's the love for his father as well no no I and, totally see that I, I can you know he, he he gives he does a lot of justice to the Scotty character and I at first I mean I was sort of skeptical because I was like oh no it's a son but I saw the performance I was like yeah this is just fine 
Yeah, it, um, it it was better than fine. It was it was spot on perfect. I mean, he was he was Scotty as much as his father was. Yeah. It also and, it also Star Trek continues. I have to give them props because they did recreate lovingly the EVA suits. Oh, yes. and also the other thing is, I know one of the writers who's actually on this, and I've got to say, like, I'm so happy that they're getting these like independent uh, writers like Bobby Nash uh, to to do the series because it's great to see that they're like getting people who love the series who want to work on this who've always oh. wanted to do like Star Trek. I mean, the thing like, is, the yeah. thing is, it's more than just the surface things. It, it's it's itty bitty things. They got the music. Yeah, well, they got the music. They got the music, uh, like scored exactly like a TOS episode right. music. And score. I mean, I, I go over to Star Trek Phase Two, which was before that, and the fact that I mean, not just that they get William William Wyndham and some of the other original actors, but I mean, my God, they got DC to write an episode. I know uh, that they was, got. That... Uh, I mean, David Gerald to write an episode. They, they they got. I mean, they got both George and Walter to come back for episodes. People who love the stuff and they are showing the love of the series by doing this, and Paramount, God bless them, they learned their lesson, are saying, do it. Well, because you they people like are doing more for Star Trek than J.J. Abrams is. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny, but 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 you know what? You know at the same time, I I think the difference is this is this is more of love for the star for Star Trek than than love for yourself because I've seen some really 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 bad fan projects like the Final Fantasy VII fan movie. Uh, oh my God, Neil! Let's talk. Neil, describe it. There's oh. not much to say. I mean, there was a guy with a really bad Barrett cannon on his arm. And, <laughs> and, well, yeah. Okay, so there's 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 something to be said. Like you need talent, but it, you also need love well, because well, like you, you, you do need yeah. love. You exactly. Do need love. Exactly. It, it, I, mean, I, I think that when George Takei came out about the uh, Abrams movies and just ripped Abrams up one side and down yep. the other, he was absolutely right because he has a passion and a love for star trek not because it's it's his sole source of income it isn't not because it's what made him it, it wasn't but i'm because, sorry yeah yeah it, star sorry. trek is a major thing and it's done so much for so many people and i'm sorry but when when you've been handed the what i would call like the the holy grail of like science fiction and you go on air and you say eh, i didn't care too much for it i want to do my own and then you just rip off one of the the best movie out of the fucking series. Yeah. And you know, I'm the funny, sorry. the funny so thing funny. is the funny thing about that to me is this. It's it's because uh because uh Meyer, Nicholas Meyer, who hmm. wrote Wrath wrote and directed Rathacon, was not a trekking himself growing up, but he didn't come in saying, Oh, I'm gonna do my own thing. He said I'm going to pretend I love these characters. I'm going to pretend that this is Horatio Hornblower exactly. in space, and I love right. these characters. Well, look at Harv is... Bennett, who was the producer. I mean, Bennett didn't know Star Trek from Jack. And what did he do? He went back and watched every episode of the original series yep. numerous times. And when he got to Space Seed, he said, that's is, it. This... Carlo Montalban was such a compelling character as Khan, I have to bring him back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, like I said, that's that's the difference between – because, you know, you have Meyer here who, who basically – was one of the architects of modern Trek, and that's what how I really feel about him. And he came in, and he he didn't he come he came in blind. He didn't know anything about Star Trek, but he came in and he said, "I'm going to pretend that I that these are childhood characters of mine." That and I, that is a and that's a professional right there compared to Abrams, who's just like, "I like money. I'm going to do Star Trek, and now I'm going to go ruin, and now he's going to go do Star Wars." Like, that's the thing. <laughs> Talk about conflict like, of interests. God, well, no, it actually it's it's actually fitting 
it's fitting to kill both series with well, with the no, man who you know, basically you know, introduced the lost formula. And, but Star you know Wars what? is already kind of dead. But, I know, know it was already just, dead, but why not just like you know fuck the dead corpse? But, well, you know, he shoved it into a refrigerator and launched it at an atomic bomb. But you know Yay! what? He's going to bring two things back to Star Wars that it hasn't seen in over ten years: real sets and real film. Oh well, my he's, no! Okay. He's no, also no. doing something else as well, and that is they are going out of their way to make sure that they have the original cast is back as well. Well, then that, that, that's pretty good. But the thing is, uh, did, is they actually, part... did they actually get? Did they actually get uh, Harrison? Yes. Hell, they even went, they're even going back and they're getting Peter Mayhew to do Chewie again. Really? Really? They don't have to. That's actually they don't. They, yeah, that says a lot. You don't have to have anybody. You can have anybody in the Chewbacca suit. Having Peter Mayhew in there, the original Chewbacca, says. We want to do this right. I think he realized that Star Trek, he, excuse my language, folks, he fucked up royally. He well, stole, also, I mean, it's, uh, they had, uh, uh, Sci-Fi on their Blaster.com had a poll not that long ago to rate different Star Treks. Star Trek Into Darkness was the last rated one. It was beaten out by several movies by Galaxy Quest <laughs> as the best Star Trek film. Okay. okay. Galaxy like Quest my, my is th- one of the greatest Star Trek documentaries ever. Okay, now my thing, my thing about Abrams is, and I think what's going on here is, I don't think Paramount, which is ultimately owned by Viacom, I believe, yes. uh, I don't think they really give a shit. Whereas Disney is now run by John Lasseter, who actually gives a shit about things. And Bob Iger, who, who and Bob, Bob Iger asked for Jobs' advice on numerous occasions. Well, he gives and, a damn about yeah. the brand. Exactly. And that's why I think there's like maybe I don't think it's just all JJ. I think it's also some people in Disney going, hello, you're going to hold our new baby and you're not going to drop it. You're going to hold our new baby. And by the way, there's this gun against your temple. Yes, exactly. Because the estate of Steve Jobs still owns a good portion of Disney. But I mean, I also look at uh, you look at the fandoms. I mean, there are three fandoms I point to as having massive, massive appeal. Star Trek fans are beyond belief. I mean, from the letter writing campaign, which Bijou ran back in the 60s, God bless her, um, to uh, the fan run episodes, to the fan fiction, to whatever, Star, to Starfleet, the international fan club. Star Trek fandom is beyond belief. The Klingon language camps. The Klingon language camps. Yes. Okay, I've got one re- way to show how important Star Trek is. In the 80s, well, actually, I think it was in the 70s or 80s, there was a white paper written up about when they released the Internet, basically, when ARPANET basically got integrated into schools, and this was the early Internet. There was a white paper written up that said, as long as you let them just continue to talk about Star Trek, and actually mentioned Star Trek, they will not destroy the network. They were referring to hackers. <laughs> well, I mean, let's go back a little earlier than that. And that was uh, also around 1976. I think it mm. was before Star Wars. And that was the first space shuttle. Yep. It was going to be called Columbia. Yep. But there was a massive fan letter writing campaign. My friend's, the, the my friend's mother did that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought Bezo had a handle in that too. But it, yeah. I mean, it became Enterprise. And... I mean, I still remember seeing on TV when Enterprise was rolled out over in California, and it ha- they had they had Jimmy, they had Nichelle, who did long time work with NASA, where they had George, where they had Walter, and hearing the theme to Star Trek play, hearing that fanfare come out of a live band, I mean, I almost cried as much then as I did during Star Trek: The Motion Picture when they first revealed the new Enterprise. It was 
a heart-wrenching moment. I, I actually saw the uh, the Enterprise when it was at the Udzar Hazy Center in the Smithsonian. Now, I had seen a space shuttle before because uh, I've been to Cape Canaveral a couple of times, and I'd seen them in the hangar and all that. But I have to say, like, standing in front of the Enterprise itself, it just was massive, and it was just this amazing, like, Did you want to like, put feeling. your hands on it? Well, yeah, I wanted to. I mean, also, I, I, mean, I touched the whole gay, so I, but I wanted to touch that one. But, you know, it was beyond glass and stuff like that. But you're just looking at it and you're just like, man, used to go. Americans used to go to space on their own. Yeah. And that was amazing. And it's a, it's it, and I really recommend like I, I think the Enterprise went out to California. So if you get a chance to go look at a space shuttle, seriously, go do it. It is like an awe-inspiring thing to see, even though it was a stupid idea, but we won't get into that. Well, And let's also think about when you go to the Smithsonian Institute, I mean, the capitalized, yes. underlined, 15-foot bold-faced type on fire, the museum, and mm. you go to the Space Exploration uh, section, Yeah. what is the first thing that you see? Even before you walk into there, you see the Enterprise. You yep. see the Starship Enterprise. Yep, you do. The original uh, yep. model. But yep. the second one I would have to say is Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars fandom, it's nowhere near the caliber of Star Trek. A Star Trek is the dream. This is what mankind can be. Star Wars is, you know, science fiction versus science fantasy, which yep. is where Lucas lost the way. He tried to make it science fiction pure, and it just doesn't work. Well, and, yeah. I mean, then the message board is talking about talking about the, the the wattage of turbo lasers on a Star Destroyer, and you're like, that, that they never thought about that that. Well, it, it wasn't it wasn't ever supposed to be like I would say Star Trek is born more out of like people who are actually actual space nerds. And then I would say that Star Wars is born from the indie people cool. who like who like a space setting. Yeah, yeah. space is cool. I mean, yeah. And yeah. then uh, I, my I, space course. wizard rolls a plus five and and his laser sword gets an extra cutting power. Yeah, exactly. Right, Star so, Wars fandom is a lot more than a, a bunch of both in and out of shape people, female and male, dressing up as Slave Leia. I mean, I, I look at uh, what is it, 504th, uh, the Emperor's Guard, you know, the people who go out and drill in Stormtrooper armor and stuff like that, but just like the Star Trek fans, they, go out, they do a uh, 501st, they do a lot of <laughs> charity work. They do a lot of good. Oh my god, you know one thing they do good at um, conventions? Um, at Dragon Con, I saw them protecting people like they would uh, they would like if a girl was being harassed, they would go over and they would actually say, can I help you or anything? And then one time a girl was like, um, I think that there, she was out and like some drunk guy was trying to go after her and a 501st showed up to beat him up. It was awesome. So the, because a lot of them are actually like law enforcement officers, I found out. So <laughs> well, they yeah, there, there might be. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the ultimate that is the ultimate police force. So I can see the attraction of being in it. But I've always liked those guys. Grill. I mean, those suits are amazing. Whenever no. you see them marching at Dragon Con. Yeah, I'm personally sick and tired of seeing Stormtrooper episodes. Uh, suits even you know oh, it's a but, tradition now i know but i mean it's it's just like seeing some of the star trek costumes i mean i, I it's a personal thing and i mean i love the series i love the original star wars uh but you know i i, I love the originality which people bring in some of the oh, okay, costumes yeah. but um but yeah i mean the fandom for a lot of things star wars fandom is probably second only to star trek fandom mm. uh 
and then of course we've got the new upcomer, which is uh, yeah, friendship is magic, uh, which <laughs> is, is going through. I mean, but I mean, you can't discount it as a fandom because it has done so much. Even now, it's the charity work they've done, a lot of the things they've done in there. They've they've been what they were Star Trek on hyperdrive in fandom. Yeah, that, that's no, true. I, but I, I think the big the big question that many people in 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 the convention circuits and, and, the, and the fan well that's the, that's the thing everyone's always been questioning is what's the third fandom because the, everyone knows what the first and second are but what's the third because people because people because Stewie's been trying to create the third fandom for a long time. Well, no, there's because, not necessarily a third fandom. What but, I but, think well, well, you, you know what I mean. It's it's like it's like uh, some people would have said that for a brief time, Lord of the Rings fought to try to get that spot. Well, well, I would say, honestly, if you're going to say there's a third fandom, you might as well go with the big international fandom, which is Doctor Who. Doctor but, Who, yeah, Doctor, Doctor Who has been fighting really hard to get that to get that spot. Oh, too. come off it. You have not gone to a Commonwealth uh, convention, <laughs> okay? Realize you were yeah. talking to someone who in 1984 went to a convention with Tom Baker in Chicago in July in a hotel that had no air conditioning, dressed in the scarf, in the heavy long jacket. And, I mean, there were people passing out from the heat because of the outfits they were wearing. Yeah, that is I mean, it. They... Star Trek, Doctor Who fandom has been around at, longer than Star Trek fandom. It's not as big, I even, but it is still big. up there. It's not as it's big in the pretty. States, I will say. Okay, well, well, but my, but my, point, my, my point's not detrimental, but the point is, is studios have been trying to create a phenomenon like that, and they don't seem to understand that you can't create that phenomenon. Exactly. Okay. No, no, actually, and, and, actually, and that, that's what that's what I'm trying to say. And, you know, like yeah. I said, you, looking at Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings has a, has a following, but it was yeah. always a literary following. The movies tried to like, you know, it wasn't Peter Jackson trying to; it was the studios trying to like create, you know, here's here's this third fandom. Never never really took traction, and then and then uh, and then ro- rolling. With with Harry Potter, the movies tried to like get that traction, kind of, sort of for a couple of years worked, and then all of a sudden, you know, Narnia tried that failed oh, massively okay. bad. Let me stop you here, and I'll explain what's really going on. Okay. It's not, it, they are looking for a new fandom, but the problem is, is that they're not willing to give untested ideas a chance. Mostly not because they're not untested, but mostly because creators now have wised up to the whole. Nah, you gonna pay me. You know, they're not gonna yeah. do this royalty shit. We're not gonna do any of that. And that's part of the problem. And that's why they've been trying to go back to all these older properties recently and reboot them because they're thinking, well, we've already got this secured. We can use this and we don't have to fight a creator over it. Exactly. And, that's the and problem. Like, I, like I said, you have you have Narnia try failed. Harry Potter kind of took He's track dead. a couple of years. He's, yeah. And, 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 and then dead. there was and then there was a fucking Percy fucking Jackson. Oh, a failure well, that, of a failure. Was, well, oh, oh, oh man, going back to Harry Potter, like why it's not evergreen is because like they opened finally opened that universal like part and and it was just like and I remember everyone I talked to about this was like, "Wow, how how uh how timely to bring out your Harry Potter part right after the last movie comes out." Like Seriously, it took you that long? I think part, the, I think yeah. part of it is is Harry Potter has a sense of finality that yeah. that that came from Rowling's mouth herself, where she said, "That's it, I'm done. There's no more Harry Potter stories. I might write like, one or two short stories for charity, but no, I'm the owner. That's it. I'm not. There's no more Harry Potter stories. There's a finality there that studios hate. 
Yeah, well, and, the, and the, but the thing is, is that there is a world there, and that this is this goes back to she actually was a powerful creator who managed to get the rights all 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 secured. Now imagine if she had been back in like the seventies, like say with Star Trek and all that. Like now they're they're starting to reboot those series because they've got the properties. She probably would have handed everything over to the studio, and then we probably would have had an expanded universe of Harry Potter that we are all aware of. However. I also yeah. don't think it would have taken off. I mean, oh, I, no, I look, no, again, no, I, I look at the fandoms. Star Trek, I mean, Star, as I said, Star Trek was the dream. Star Trek was what mankind should aim yeah. for. Star mm -hmm. Wars was the galaxy far, far away. It was the throwback to the serials, the adventure, yeah. where I mean, you didn't have any great lessons. You had, it was an adventure. Which is fine. And But, I mean, it, they... These things evolved naturally. I mean, Star Trek grabbed the minds and the hearts of the people. And even though they were labeled freaks and weirdos and nerds or whatnot, I mean, Trekkies. Ugh. And even now, they try to show them as the freaks and weirdos. Basement dwellers. Yeah. Well, you know what it is. Get life. Well, you know what it is? It's anti-intellectualism. It's just basically they don't believe that people are willing to watch a show that has very good writing, actually makes you think i mean for god fucking sakes game of thrones is the most pirated show on earth and it is nothing but just politics with some boobies thrown in occasionally yeah and i'm sorry but when that is the most pirated show on earth it is therefore the most popular show on earth i'm sorry execs people want a little bit of intel you know intelligent writing in their series they don't want like what they did to Star Trek recently. Oh, let's make an action movie. No, we already yeah. have things that are action movies. We want Star Trek. I mean, that's why I want yeah. to say the third big thing. I mean, the big third big fandom to me is My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. It's because, again, <laughs> the writing is so creative. It's so it, it's more well, than it's just an a open kiddie world. show. Yeah. I think what we're, we're hitting up against is that because these worlds were so well written, like Lauren Faust actually had a really good basis. So what I think we're hitting up on is if a universe has enough room of wiggle room that a fan can actually explore it themselves, like Star Wars, Star Trek, My Little Pony, Doctor Who, then it's gold. It's like, it's like Firefly is a big fandom, too. It's not as big as it once was, but it's still there. Well, because partly, you, partly because yeah. you're not allowed to make knitted hats anymore. Yeah, oh, and, and yeah. That's when I talk about the Paramount lesson. It was 18 years ago, 18 to 20 years ago. Paramount decided we need to crack down on fan sites, websites, oh, fanfic, all this stuff, and they sent out a ton of cease and desist letters, and the sales on Star Trek stuff plummeted. Yeah, they were they were cutting off the nose of the hand that fed them. Well, it was, it was during that crate. It was right before the Digital Millennium Copyright Act was passed, and everyone was going completely nuts about property. I think yeah. Paramount, because they've always, they're just so terrible, they finally realized. Well, also, Paramount just realized that they have to have the fans, because you know why the whole Star Trek movies have been abandoned. The rights issues are sort of crazy in that CBS can only sell the merchandise. Paramount can't sell the merchandise. Yeah. So... That's part of the reason that they've recently, Paramount has recently said, hey, fans, we love you, because they now realize they can't get the money from the merchandise, which is the cash cow. So they need to come up with an alternate way that they can, like, maybe get people to get the, the shows, like, watch the shows. Like, oh, you like those shows? Watch our shows. 
but that's the only thing they can do. But it was also, I mean, the rights, not just the merchandise, because things like the fan experience, which yeah. reopened over in Vegas. I mean, oh my God, always, really? And from what I, I, I seem to remember reading something about it being reopened. Oh, oh uh, my it, God. In I'm conjunction with the Abrams stuff. There. I'm going to renew my vows there. That's what I'm going to do. They do, they do the full bridge wedding where you get beamed in. You get married by the captain. Oh. I want to go do that. I'm, I'm going to go do that. If that is true, uh, on my 10th anniversary, renewing vows with uh, Star Trek. That would be excellent. Can I be science officer? <laughs> sure. If you can bring your own uniform. Once we're done recording, I'll tell you a little something ex uh, extra that went on with it. But, um, okay. but oh, yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it comes down to, I think, Star Trek the Animated Series, amongst all the fandoms, amongst everything, I think Star Trek the Animated Series has been a, 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 not maybe shining, but it's had some very stellar moments. It's had some bad moments, but it really, it is a, despite what a lot of people say, it should be a proud member of the Star Trek yeah, it, it stumbled yeah. a bit. Yeah, it had filmation, but seasons three of TOS had Spock's brain, so so Star Trek stumbles. Yeah, I really got to say that if if you really like the original Star Trek series, this is like basically more episodes of that. Yeah, I like mean that was hour. supposed to be the fourth and fifth. I mean the fourth uh, year fifth, of the voyages. The fourth and fifth year of the voyages. Yeah. So, but yeah, like I said, it's a. Uh, it, 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 you know, Star Trek stumbles sometimes. Star Trek never comes off half the press as perfect because because it takes time. Because even even the the motion picture was called what again? Oh God, we, I could. Yeah. Do you want to go to uh, Star Trek the motionless picture or where Nomad has gone before or so many others? Or or, uh, or <laughs> I was actually going with the motion sickness. But if you look at the director's cut. Uh, oh, and yeah, fast Robert forward through Wise. some of the special effects. It's a lot better. Yeah, Robert Wise. It, that, I actually, I actually love the director's cut. And uh, and the thing is, I was actually in debates in the past about you know what it meant to see those those uh, those beauty shots of the Enterprise. Yeah. What it meant because it's it's not just some. Um, and I'm not saying that the work that uh, that Jeffries did on the original model. I believe Jeff, Jeffries worked on the original model. Yeah. of the enterprise was shoddy but i'm saying that this was like times a hundred you know with all the individual plates and stuff all the individual detail it was like all of a sudden seeing something that you that you grew up with all of a sudden glamorizing gorgeous right it, it's the attractive teenager now as an absolutely stunning beautifully stunningly beautiful woman Yes, and like I said, the whole the whole third fandom argument there it wasn't meant to be an argument, but it's the point that yeah. you, you notice this. Studios have no, we, we, we know that they're looking for something. It's obvious that they they are looking for something, but the problem is is that they just can't find it, and also they just won't pay for you it. It's well, seriously down to it. it. It's a matter of uh, the studios. They won't let. They didn't create it. Star Trek fandom. They did not create Star no. Wars fandom. They did not create My Little. I mean, they were not expecting anything near what My Little Pony. My Little Pony was just going to go for one season. We'll sell some. We were going to sell the Gen. They were going to sell the Gen Three toys, and that was going to be it. And it just exploded because uh, they're forgetting. I mean, quality is the big thing. You've got it's something you got to care about. You've got to have the writing. You've got to have the actors. You've got to have all this stuff. 
And even then, you're not guaranteed to do it. Quantum Leap had all that, and it didn't really take off. Firefly had it, and it didn't really take off. Even if it continued on, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as big as it is. Exactly. I think the biggest thing okay. that... I think the biggest... I think so. Okay, I think the biggest problem is studios don't realize that unless they have Thor holding a mason jar, you can't bottle lightning. Yeah. I mean, I, to go back to Friendship is Magic... Um, Kitty Hawk, do you remember when they started to debut the new Care Bears TV series? Oh, God. No. The controversy around that? <sighs> I, I barely remember this, like, because I remember something, like, let's see. No, it's it's, it's going to be bad. Yeah, I think I saw this, and it yep. was, oh, yeah, I remember this. It's where somebody overstepped his bounds and tried making a fandom. And they even had a name like Bronies for these so-called fans of the new Care Bears yes, series. Yes, I remember this, and it was it was because it was because they thought we we can manufacture, and it's just like I said, it just goes goes back down to corporations do not understand, they will not pay, and they will not get the right people. Exactly. And get the right people comes doesn't come down to pay usually. It comes down to hey, do you have the right encoder ring or something? Because like. Do you know the right people? Because there's a lot of talented people like who do like the brony uh, animations and stuff like that. And I have often like yelled at the screen, why are you working for Hasbro? <laughs> and even when you get the same people, I mean, remember the same people who do uh, Friendship is Magic are doing uh, the new Littlest Pet Shop show. And yeah. it doesn't have the same magic, uh, no pun intended. Well, it, it doesn't, doesn't have a Bible. Uh, yeah. That's one thing. Like, Lauren Faust wrote a Bible on My Little Pony. Like, she had the whole world worked out, and that's the major thing that falls apart in, like, season three. They started to forget about that, and it just, like, they kept going over the same things, and it was, like, confusing. So yeah. I'm hoping with season four they'll tighten it back up again, and... Well, if I, uh, Equestria yeah. Girls is any is any indication, I think it will. And, yeah, uh, Equestria well, Girls... Well, back, back, to, back to Star Trek, it's... Uh, <laughs> I, I, like I said, it's... I'm thankful that there's a Star Trek fandom. I'm thankful that there's people who are willing to to keep keep on giving it a shot, and even when they make direct like Into Darkness, Wrath of Khan, the Do Over, and and uh, and I actually genuinely laughed when Spock shouted Khan. Yeah, but like it's but, it's obvious that they're just trying to strike lightning again, and it's it's like, guys, the, you you took like CBS. Well, actually, Desi Lu took a chance on this guy who had written a, a a police show about this crazy idea about a space series. And I think they just don't want to do that anymore. Well, and, it's, it's, like, it's more than yeah. that. I mean, because remember, uh, Star Trek had two pilots. They got the second pilot under yeah. solely under the sheer force of will from Lucille Ball. Yeah, Lucille Ball, thank God. Yes, who not yeah. only took a chance on Star Trek, but demanded a second chance for it. And that, yeah, mm -hmm. it, 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 it's the Lucille Ball actually is the unspoken for unsung patron of Star Trek. Mm. Yes. Yeah, she is. Seriously is. Um, but yeah, I think we've really said all we can about the animated series that it's like a uh, like a forgotten gem that people don't really understand that it's the writing that makes it so good. And at the animation, well, uh, it's filmation. Yeah, it's yeah. filmation. Sorry. And, 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 <laughs> and like I, like, animators out there, go through and redo it. You'll be yeah! loved forever. And like I said, like I said, like I said, every Star Trek had a flaw. 
it, and you can't. And if you love Star Trek, you're like, yeah, that that part had a flaw. I acknowledge it intellectually yeah. that that this flaw exists, and and I'm okay with it. Like, like come come on, TNG had two seasons of Drek. I know, and that, that that's the thing. We we but overall, I would say that the animated series you should watch it because there's some really good stories. At least watch uh, Yesteryear. That one is worth watching it probably has and it actually i would say probably has the best animation out of the whole series right so, because you couldn't just yeah. use, restock, use restock i mean it, yeah because there were children there were little vulcan children in that episode yeah so yeah so yes watch watch yesteryear if you want to keep going there's some really good episodes i particularly like the slaver weapon and i think we mentioned some more so yeah i think we, all right uh, so overall yeah. uh, not quite as negative as one would think but uh no. but it still. was awesome but but still, uh, it, like I said, I, I won't go awesome, but I will say that there were a, a, a lot of moments of awesome, and there were a lot of moments of oh my god, why did they Giant do that? Giant Spock. Yes. All right, it, it's almost as bad as Spock's brain. Uh, uh, so, uh, Neil, any of your thoughts? I pretty much said it already. If you like the original series, I don't see why you wouldn't like this. All right. Uh, well, this is your host Ben with TV's Future Neil. And Kitty Hawk of Sparkling Generation, Valkyrie Yuki, SGBY.com, your one-stop shop for sexy fun. Boy, you're taking my lines. Now, this is Thomas Revore from 910 Comics at 910CMX.com, host of some of your favorite web comics on the net. And we're saying goodnight. Bye. Night. Live long and prosper. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> I am the captain of the Starship Enterprise. Captain Kirk, this is Spock. Please step on the transporter. Dilithium crystals hit by Klingon missiles. No! I'm a doctor. Not an actor. Not a milkman. What does that mean? And I'm sorry, he's dead Jim. Photon torpedo! Lieutenant Uhura, open hailing frequencies. Yes, Captain Kirk, opening hailing frequencies, sir. Let's boldly go where no one's gone before. <laughs> Beam me up, Mr. Scott. Sulu, go to warp. Warp 3, sir. No, that will be way too slow. Warp 4, sir. It still is way too slow. Warp 5, sir. It still is too damn slow. Warp 6, it's too damn slow. Warp 7, it's still damn slow. It's too damn slow! No, 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 Mr. Chekhov, Mr. Chekhov. I am firing torpedo. That will not work and would be illogical to me. To me. To me. So, Tom, did you listen to the latest beacon? No, I haven't. I mean, I, I haven't had time. I, we had some uh, network problems over here. At, uh, it was a massive, <coughs> massive... Everything, all the shit happened at once. Type of thing for nine ten. We were down for about a day and a half. Oh shit! That's still better than drunk talk. What, ha- what happened? Well, it started off. Um, I had Darren try to get through to um, his server. Mm. Uh, some of our some of the uh, web comics we have actually have their own servers rather than just being on one massive server like some of the others oh. that we have. So Darren couldn't get through to the server we have set up for him. So I took a look at it and I found out. Okay, I'll get get it when I get home. Rushed home half an hour later, and the main switch had stopped working. No problem. I mean, it's a gigabit switch. I had. I mean, it's an eight-port gigabit switch that we used. I swapped it out with a smaller one. I took my gaming server offline. No yeah. problem. It didn't work because then I saw that the network cable that plugs into there was broken. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I put a new 
jack on the end of it. Except then it didn't work. Oh. Because then I found out that our Netscaler, which is our smart hub, basically, it's our firewall, it's our redirector, it's all that stuff. I mean, brilliant right. thing from Citrix. Um, because of the short in it, it lost the configuration that we needed. Oh, no. Uh, it, no problem. Uh, fortunately, my brother, who's the one who helped me get the Netscaler, is one of the people over at Citrix. He's the guy who goes out, does all the installs, all the training, all the oh, programming. Yeah. So we, it took us a little while, but we got it fixed. Oh, I used to go by that, um, by their office a lot. Well, Citrix. <laughs> except it didn't yes. work. Oh, no. Because at that point, I found out that because of the problem with Netscaler, the connection to the OTN, uh, our Fios, our fiber optic connection, had stopped working as well. Oh. So finally, I got a call into uh, our ISP, our fiber ISP. We got that taken care of, and everything was hunk-dory and up and running. Uh, Still, for anybody who thinks that running an ISP or running one of these sites, I mean, I will say I I may have problems with some of the people behind some of the other webcomic providers, but for the IT people, I mean, this stuff is not easy. That's true, but still, that still was a shorter outage than what Drunk Duck had. Oh, okay. So I was doing a, um, I was doing a, I was doing a, um, a panel at the convention yesterday, and I was like, "Yay, okay, so you're getting started. You want to do a web comic?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Bring up Drunk Duck." I'm like, "They've been gone for like a few weeks now, but they're the best." So. Uh, well, no. Um, well, they're not the best, but I would say, like, you know, if you want to get into a community and it's the wizard's pretty easy. Uh, I, but I was just trying to say, you know, try it out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, not including nine ten, of course. Um, oh yeah, well, there's I forgot. Oh, I did mention y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're nice. We're good people. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Well, but I was like uh, saying, you know, they're 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 the bigger one, they're the biggest one. So that, like, that you know, true. discoverability is going to be a lot better there. But I was like, but as I'm loading it up, it's like, God damn it, you know, like, well. So I just said, okay, let's move on. And this is why you might be interested in getting your own server eventually. <laughs> if you've but got like, the people behind you, I mean, yeah. getting your own server, even something small, is it's really be honestly. I mean, a lot of people I know just use Comic Press now because it's just like, as much as I hate it, as much as I think it's like, it is, eh, it not is for, garbage. Not for not for me. It's at least a solution for right, you know, for right now, and it's better than like when I got started, which was, hi, do you know how to write HTML? I hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, uh, Neil, I threw in a reference in in the last uh, beacon. I don't think Fess got. Oh, what'd you say? <laughs> what happened was Monty was on the show, but no one would have known it because he was again quiet. Oh well, you know, we we we're kind of always we yeah, want to debate. I, I, I know, but the funny thing is, I said he's our Mister Snurdly, and I know for a fact that Fest did not know what that meant. Mm. <laughs> it's taking me a re- moment to remember what it is, Snurdly. I mean, the name rings a bell, but... Uh, Russ Limbaugh always says, he always talks to... Oh, us. yeah, yeah, both nerdly. Okay, never mind. <clears throat> okay. You never hear Mr. Snurdly, but Mr. Snurdly's a, a foundation. Uh, 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 
you do hear him at times. He has been on the show, and in fact, he was on the TV show a couple of times, too. So, mm. eh. No, I forgot about the TV show. Yeah, most nearly. Yeah. Very handsome, uh, tall black man. Thank yeah. you for the TV show for showing us that. Okay, well, I, I stand corrected. But uh, like I said, I, I threw in that reference. I called Monty our Mr. Snurdly, and yeah. because you never, hurt, you never hurt him. It's and uh, yeah the the last the last beacon was Fest did his usual thing where he got he got the room riled up and he says I'm gonna throw in my expert on this uh, and then and threw in someone who wasn't an expert and well she she had just started using it and she hadn't read the fact I know but Fest, she, Fest yeah. introduced her as an expert I know she I know he did and that's why I'm kind of like that's not I mean also like why did he bring her in like that it, way and also just sort of made well i know but it sort of makes bad feelings i think yeah uh, I, yeah just don't uh, throw the christians into the lions i mean yeah. if somebody's going to get devoured I, and I, know. I felt i felt bad but at the same time i was right and like i and he even made me write up a thing about like how you know patreon's not such a hot shit that pay pa- and i found out paypal's been doing this for four years yeah, and in fact, know. Patreon's probably using PayPal's thing to do what they're doing. So they it's just, like they just put UI skin over it. Yeah, I, it's I have no like, idea what Patreon is, so I couldn't. It's well, like it's, well it's, pa- it, Patreon is basically a system where it's like it's not like Kickstarter, but it, the closest thing I could could compare it to is Kickstarter, where basically a bunch of people say, "I will pay you, Thomas Revor, one dollar every time you publish a new comic." And let's say you get three thousand people saying, "I will pay you one dollar to publish every time you publish one comic." That's what pay- Patreon is. It's, a, it's it, an ongoing it, subscription yeah. base of you producing, you getting paid. Except yeah. that it, it it bills itself that the the that Patreon really handles everything, except it doesn't. Like you're still responsible for getting out the digital good or physical good, much like Kickstarter. The other thing is is that they hold your money for a month before they'll give it to you. For a and month. Yeah, for a month, and if it's under a hundred dollars, they will not give it to you. It rolls over to the next month. Yeah, PayPal is delays only like three days at most. At most, yeah, it's going to your bank oh. account. And the, oh, and the hilarious yeah. thing is, is that they don't take PayPal. They don't take PayPal for payment. However, the way they pay you is PayPal. Okay, folks, and this is why you want to do everything by yourself with people that you know and trust. Exactly. Why go with these guys who only became popular in the past week because they got some venture capital, and because of this, they got covered by the mainstream news? Like, exactly. That's the only reason that everyone's talking about this, because these guys have been around for two years, it turns out. I, well, I, for two years, I've never heard of them. I know, exactly. That's why, And they didn't actually start up until this year. When I think they finally got approved for like payments or something like that, and I'm like, "What? It took you that long?" Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, wow. you've heard us heard me ramble on at Dragon Con a time or two, and I know I've heard you yeah. at Dragon Con. I mean, folks, the best. I know this is off the subject of animation, sure. not to my favorite subject of web comics, but uh, the best thing you can do is have. I mean, don't try and do it all yourself, but have a team that you trust who can handle a lot of this stuff have somebody who can do the web comics have somebody mm-hmm. who can do the programming have somebody who can do the business anybody who tries to do it themselves or anybody who gets somebody who you don't know or don't trust uh that's a, a, a reputation that's a, a recipe for failure well and also paying someone five percent to just do something that like honestly trevor looked into it and he said someone could write a wordpress plugin in like one weekend and like you pay that person probably like i don't know like five hundred dollars 
And yeah. the money's all yours. Yeah, you've basically paid for it because now you're now you're not continually giving five percent to Patreon every single time because you still have to pay the PayPal fee. Of, right. Like the you still have to pay the fees, and then you still on top of that have to pay the five percent. I'm like, why are you paying eight percent to someone? Seriously. Oh. Yeah, why are you paying five percent to someone who's doing nothing more than what you should be doing with a donation button? Because he's preying on people who are like who don't want to do any research. That's yeah, really or, what it who is. don't want to do the work. I mean, or, exactly research and work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, let, let me rephrase that because some of it is going to be for people who are just too lazy to do it themselves. A lot of it, I'll say, about eighty percent of it are people who just don't know any better. They're people who are in the beginning who don't know it and don't know the people to ask. Exactly. Well, and also, yeah, exactly. They well, they don't know also to like read the fact a little bit because like when I was talking to her about it, she didn't seem to know a lot about how the payment structure worked or anything like that. Yeah. And I had just spent thirty minutes reading through it, and it was like it took me thirty minutes to read through that. It wasn't hard, and now I know that this is this looks very you know snake oil. I don't want to touch it probably going to go away in, in a few months yeah and, uh, and the thing is yeah you, you did come on a little bit strong but again that's because you were saying the exact same things to, to fess and fess was like i disagree with you on principle so i'm going to bring in an expert well, I think in the future when he do, when he does that i'm i'm probably going to say oh could they just not make it in time because <laughs> because the thing is and, and this is something i always said you know i tried not to do ambush jobs and uh and uh, and uh, well, I mean, it can be that, good. And that's okay. that, that's the big thing. It's a a good example is when when Animation Aficionados did the defending the crap man episode. Uh, Neil feels bad about that, and I kind of feel agree with him too because because we brought Tom in midway through, but Tom was known to be in that episode. He was promised to be in that episode. The other side yeah, knew that. Yeah, that's not an ambush. That's not an ambush but, job. But, that's just. A late edition. That, that was, I'm the expert on everything. I thought everybody knew that. But yeah. but, but, the, Damn but, but 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 like I said, it's uh, I I don't like doing ambush jobs because it feels it feels like trashy journalism. It feels it feels wrong. So I it's won't lazy do it. journalism. You know, it's trying to drum make a story where there is none by using the shock and surprise. And you know, take it from a former reporter. Uh, I know other reporters who did that, and they may get the big publicity. But they have no honor, they have no ethics, and uh, journalistic ethics are completely foreign to them. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, and, 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 not that yeah. I'm saying that Fess is that way, but I am saying that I do know reporters who are like that and who, have, who do that, who are like that. I'd say ambush is okay only if you're like – if the person who is like being – is being a dumbass and just spouting out bullshit that, the, that actually doesn't add up or anything, I think it's okay then. But in both cases, it just seemed like the people weren't actually ready for it. It seemed like Fest just told them, oh, I'll just add you, and didn't really explain to them that we had been debating this for a while. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, he, yeah. or, or what he does is he, he, he tells them this is like a press release episode. Yeah. And someone thinks, oh, I'm going to talk about my stuff, promote my stuff. Everyone's going to have nice, happy, warm and fuzzies. Comes in, it's a debate show, and holy shit – I have to defend myself. What, what's going on here? I, I, I was told I one thing and I'm not prepared. And also then the person kind of feels like they have to take that position because now they're like, oh, this is the position I've been I've been assigned. So they kind of feel like they have to defend. And, and, it, and they're automatically defensive because of that. It's, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. It just leads to just bad feelings in general. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it leads to uh, 
misinterpretation, which mm. to me is bad feelings. You're going to get bad feelings at times, no matter what you do. Misinterpretation is a cardinal sin to me. And yeah. when you're doing something in journalism, what I loved was Fess actually left my dig at uh, on Hiveworks in the episode. Yeah, that was. But it's true. What we said was honestly true. They got hacked. It, it, and, Neil, you'll yeah. love this. Neil, did you hear it? Not yet. Okay, what what happened was uh, Fess mentioned Hiveworks, and I said, oh, 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 and Fess is like, I don't want you to say anything. The webcast speaking is hosted by Hiveworks, and we've always had a great relationship. And, and I, then I, I start yelling. And then, then I, I said, and I said, all I'm going to say is, is malware and we're hijack. And then I started yelling, PHP is AIDS over and over. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they got hacked. I mean, I knew they had a uh, DDoS against them back All their ads were, had malware hijacks. Yeah, they said it was a DDoS, but it was not a DDoS. That was what he said afterwards so that he could cover his ass. He got well, hacked. I've got some people I need to talk to then. Uh, I've got some good people, including uh, 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 and someone who used to be with 910. Uh, Name redacted. I'm not mentioning any names. Uh, But uh, they went over to Hiveworks, and yeah, I will talk off the record about Hiveworks, and that will be all. And that's how Equestria was made. Yes. Yay. Yes. All right. Uh, I love that comic. So, so, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Lots of, lots of really weird news lately. Uh, Neil, what do you think of that very, very, very quote unquote professional letter that I sent you? That, oh, that, ang- that angry Joe. Angry Schmo, yes. I stopped reading this? about halfway through. I'm like, this guy's a total dick. Yeah, what he did was he sent a letter to uh, to uh, to Sega to ask uh, to ask for materials early, like early early access to materials for the new Rome two game, so he could do a quote unquote review of it. And basically, he's this uh, this letter, this request is super duper hostile. Oh, he basically God. did it in character, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna here. Oh my God! It, it, like I said, it's it, it's like. Do I really want to read this? Yes, you do because this is it, gonna be wonderful. It's like you know he's asking for early access to screenshots, videos, and stuff like that that uh, other media people will have, and this is what he thought was an appropriate letter to send them and now he's bitching because they didn't respond when he said when he sent this in it's pretty funny but it's like okay i'm sorry i would look at this if i were over at sega i would look at this and say uh, i would not, respond it, back and saying thank you for your time no well, i would have said like nice try i see you're trying to be funny here but no that wasn't funny at all try again yeah. <laughs> epic I mean, fail I mean, if you if you make it seem fun, if you get into character and you make it seem fun, sure. But they, this just seems like he's just abusing you. Well, I mean, there's a difference with something like this. There's a difference between a character you do on your show and behind the scenes yeah. business like practices. Exactly, would... like Colbert. Colbert like takes guests, some guests aside, and says, "Okay, look, this is just a character. 
I'm going to be kind of weird. Just go with the flow. He does that with certain guests because he realizes, you know, I don't want to insult this person. Yeah. But then some care, some some guests, he's like, fuck you. I'm going to be cold there. Like, like I said, he's actually bitching like on Twitter and shit saying they 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 aren't responding to my email. Like This is the email I said. Can you believe that? I was like, I would have just I would have just thought it was it was um it was just some kid. Honestly, <laughs> if I read that, exactly. I probably would have. Yeah, I would have said, "Oh, who's this kid?" <laughs> are you are you actually reading? Are you actually? Reading? I read it. I read it. I read it, and I'm just basically like, if I saw that in my email, I would be like, "This is just some kid." I, I wouldn't even. My I, flight I mean, I aircraft saw, carrier. Yeah, I saw the URLs and all, but I'm just like, "No, I'm sorry, you're just some kid, and I really don't want to deal with you." Yeah. I mean, I probably would have written back like, "Thanks for like you said, thanks for your time, but we're blah blah blah." Can you please have your Bobby? contact us yeah like your mom needs to revoke your internet privileges <laughs> it's it's uh, this is this is just ridiculous that that they think that this is appropriate business actions and, and shit it's like that's not even inappropriate that this is just this is stupid I'm, there's no way around it this is stupid it, it's i just i mean i'm shaking my head in disbelief simply because this is so ridiculous I, I can see where, like I like I said, I can see where he was going from, but he just totally missed the mark. This is just funny, and he probably should just let it go and try again. But I understand that, you know. Well, I, I can I can also see if this is the type of thing that he does on his show. I can see why he made this public because then his fans will go through and say, "Yeah, we should have had this." Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah he, this is the kind of shit he does do. I guess, I remember, uh, he's, yeah. he's the guy. He, he's the guy who was an ass to Jeff Keeley. Remember? Yeah. Oh yeah. Jeff Keeley should never have forgiven him for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Jeff Keeley actually gave and say like look, I'm sorry we were, I was running a show and you wanted to interview me. I'm sorry if I didn't give my full attention is pretty much the apology he gave. Well, I mean it's also the more professional response too. I mean you were total ass, but I'll be the better man. Yeah, it's better to be and also sometimes, you know, you can write back and say, "I don't know what your intention was here, but Maybe you could restate it a better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I mean, being a large corporation like Sega, at least just put out a, okay, that was cute, but no. Yeah, uh, uh, usual form letters. Thank you for your yeah. time. I'm sorry we're not able to accommodate you. I mean, that, that type of stuff. Or I think yeah. Sega is just absolutely right in saying uh, this is probably some sort of joke. And uh, yeah, they probably thought it was it. a troll. They honestly probably thought it was a troll. Threw it in the trash can because, like, honestly, I read it and I was just thinking. Some like kid do this. So yeah. uh, anyway. No, Angry, Angry Joe's like thirty-two or something. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's I know. Kid. But I'm just. I mean, saying, he could be one hundred and five. Yeah. This is uh, this is twelve-year-old stuff. It's it's trying to be cute, and it didn't end up. It missed the mark. So yeah. The, the thing is, the thing is, you don't need a lot of journalistic credentials to get those early video game materials. I say this as someone who has no, had no, access, had, who has but had access to nice. it. You just have to be. Yeah. You, have to, you have to act like you actually work for a legitimate business, and they'll give it to you. You can get 90% of anywhere by a clipboard and an attitude. Unfortunately, that's the wrong attitude. And like, like I said, I actually know this because because there was like a whole year that I knew what games were going to come out, what new consoles were going to be out, what, what new peripherals were going to be out. Simply because I worked at GameStop Corporate, and they just had all these assets flying across my desk. Oh, you see, I mean, oh, I... One of the things that I wish I had uh, that was lost years ago was I had an original 
Star Trek The Next Generation press kit oh, from before. Sweet. Because I knew, I mean, I was a reporter before. I knew the right phrasing. I knew the way to approach the people on this and get this. And yeah, they sent me all the materials. And like I said, you just have to come off as halfway professional by saying, saying this is an official request. I, I look forward to any information you can share. Right. Uh, th- this, this, is, this is my P.O. box. and, uh, and I am representing this show exactly. uh, that wants to do these reviews. Exactly. Um, here, here's who the people involved are. Here's how you can contact me. Leave it at that. I mean, have your show personality be a show personality. I mean, uh, even though I don't like a show personality, I mean, Howard Stern has a business head. Yes, he does. And yeah. You don't expect him to do something like this, even though that's the, that's his type of character. But you don't expect him to do something like this behind the scenes because then he gets classified as an ass and nobody will deal with him. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with Colbert. Colbert knows he's a character. Hmm. So he's so he's like, OK, got to turn the character off. Say, look, just play with me for a while. I'm not going to you know, this isn't really me. This is just for the show. Just have fun with it. Roll with it. So he does also not do that to certain people, which is awesome. Well, yeah. but the thing is, by that point, everyone that knows, knows. No, actually, I love the ones where the person has not figured it out. <laughs> like, it, and it takes a while at the White House press dinner for them to figure it out, too. Well, they're not exactly it. rocket scientists at the uh, Exactly. Like, that's why That's why he, he, I love it when he doesn't tell them, because you know it's because he knows this person isn't going to get it. They're just going to be like, what? Yep. Anyway. But um, it, like I said, I, I, just, I, I just had to send this letter to you guys because I couldn't believe that he's actually like putting this online and he it, it, like he's proud of it. It's like, yeah, he completely misses the mark. Mm-hmm. But like a poor marksman, you keep missing the, the target. target. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had to get my Wrath of Khan quote in today. Yes, you did. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, yeah, I've got a. I don't have to go in a minute. I've got to go now. It's late. Yeah, I it to, is. I it's to late. It, it is late, but tomorrow is a holiday for me, so I'm just going to talk to Neil. Okay. All right. Y'all have fun talking. All right. Good night, Kitty Hawk. Let me know when the next. Check. Let me know when the next guest screen is out. I have. I have many. I have money, and money. I'll have to figure. I'll have to fi- Let me look at my schedule, and I'll figure that out. Okay. I have money. Okay. Uh, I know, and I want to take that money. I just got to figure out when I can take money. <laughs> no, but take my money. I want to take your money. Okay, I'll talk to you all later. All right. All good right. night. Have a good night, everybody. Good night, Tom.